Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-Turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly, so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com, you're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at U-TurnPodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, ghostwriting, publicity, and copywriting house there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Hey everybody, it's Ash here and I'm with Jennifer Russell. She's dedicated to evolving the way that we all lead and the way that we all love, two very important things, obviously. And she's worked on the executive teams of several high impact startups, helping bring more than 40 new environmental technologies to market. She's also helped thousands of executives and entrepreneurs and now thousands of you create successful businesses, thriving cultures, uh, whether that has to do with their universal values or their purpose. And today we're going to be talking about the four faces of incorruptible power. Um, This is a leadership model that Jennifer has come up with to learn how to lead, how to serve, and how to inspire just about anybody. Um, So this is going to give you the opportunity to kind of come up with a mental map of the terrain of your own influence in your life, in the workplace. And it's a tool that's going to help you learn where you're claiming your power and maybe where you're not claiming your power and where there's some opportunity there. So Jennifer, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Oh, what a warm and wonderful introduction. This is a favorite topic of mine, so there's no doubt that we're going to have some juicy conversation and cover some great territory. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an honor. I mean, I just love influencers like you who have come up with content that is your own intellectual property, and it kind of helps people typecast themselves so that they can better perform in their lives. So I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, how did you get to this place where power was a topic that you are, you know, diving so deeply into. Yeah, yeah, thanks. You know, I, um, you know, I was born to these extraordinarily different parents. On the one side, um, my father uh, was this enormous man, both, you know, in stature, he was six foot uh, four, 250 pounds, really big, strong warrior-like man, but also in demeanor um, when he entered a room Everyone felt his presence. Everyone looked to him and keyed off of him. He was quite a formidable force of nature. Mm. Um, And then on the other side, I was born to um, a mother who was 
just extremely spiritual, extremely loving, extremely creative. Uh, she just captured my heart and expanded my mind and spirit in, in ways that, you know, I never would have gotten to without being brought up in the, in the kind of ways that she brought me up. And so I, I had these two very powerful figures growing up and they were polar opposites, right? They could not have been any more different. Mm. And, and you might say archetypally, like he was the archetypal masculine if, if there was like a stereotype and she was the archetypal feminine. And so gr growing up watching these two and having this, just deep, deep need to, you know, audaciously change the world. I, I very, from a very young age, really wanted to do something important with my life and, and really wanted to leave the world better than I found it. Um, and that really got me started uh, on this path. And ever since then, I've uh, been a deep student uh, of transformation and evolution, um, looking into what science has to say, looking into what metaphysics has to say, looking into the human potential movement, studying, you know, a, a dozen different modalities about what creates change, what creates influence in the world, and how to help people do more of that. So wow. that's been my early history. Wow, incredible. And, you know, just for myself, having made all of my success emotionally, financially, spiritually, it's all come from the ability to connect with people and move a room in some way. And so yeah. I think that, you know, it just can't be underestimated that your ability to hold the charisma and inspire or fascinate people. So I'm, I know you mentioned, you know, before we started recording uh, and our, we had a conversation, you said there were four faces of incorruptible yeah. power. So there's the active masculine, the receptive masculine also could be called the passive masculine, the active feminine and the receptive feminine also known as the passive feminine. So yeah. I'm curious, you know, just for everybody listening, I would love for people to walk away and think, okay, this is the one I am, or this is where there's an opportunity for me. So I'd love for you to just break these down. Um, what does the active masculine look like? What kind of person, what kind of behavior? Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. Well, 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 let's dive in. And, and, and I just want to add to like the first statement you made that, um, I'll go and I'll go as far as to say that anything worth doing is, is worth doing with others. Right. And, and, you know, there is only, there's, there are the projects that we take part in that are really just about the self and developing ourselves. And those are incredibly important, but there's a whole range of evolution that's only available when you begin to collaborate with the other human beings on this beautiful planet. And really, I define power as the ability to consciously and deliberately influence the world around you. And it's the ability to change your life, shape your perception, and make, make things work for and not against you. And so this is a really relevant topic, um, this idea of power. And mostly it needs a makeover, if you will. Like, mostly our ideas around leadership and power um, fall into one of two places. Either we have it that um, there's a lot of abuse of power and power is corrupt, mm -hmm. or we marginalize it and sort of run away from it saying, no, this stuff is bad, um, and we pull back. And when you're pulling back, and, and this is what I see in individuals when I work with them, is, is that they're like a thousand pullbacks. They're like, well, I don't want to be too loud, and I don't want to be too quiet. Mm. And then, I don't want to be too forceful, but I don't want to be too meek. And I don't want to be too this and too that. And pretty soon, you're pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. And, and 
you cannot achieve influence in the world when you're a thousand pullbacks between two negative poles. The world doesn't need you to be less of anything. It needs you to be more of everything, right? And more expressed. And so that's really what I'm trying to unlock for people is, is in the, in these four. And so, so we'll dive into what they are real quick. I know you've asked for the first one, but I just wanted to give a little context. And, and I want to say one thing about the incorruptible piece, because, um, we said that these are the four faces of incorruptible power. And I, I added that word with a lot of, um, intentionality. Mm. Um, and, and, you, you, know, you intentional? Piece. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just threw it in there just to. Tiki. You don't seem like you think about these typecasts at all. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yes, and I I threw in the world word incorruptible because uh, um, I just want to acknowledge like there's a reason that many of us are wary around this idea, this topic. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've been given so many examples in our lives of power gone awry and, um, and, and I will tell you from my experience, the power is not what's corrupt. It's the selfishness that's corrupt. It's the greed. It's the manipulation. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that corrupt power is literally the ability to consciously influence the world around you to create it in the image that if you are really connected to your heart of hearts is a beautiful world that we all know is possible. Mm -hmm. So when I say incorruptible power, I mean the kind of power that comes from a version of you that is motivated by what I'll call transcendent values. Wow. Right? And a transcendent value means a value that if you multiply it across all people, across all time, that it's that nobody loses. Right. Mm. You know, if your if your value is greed more for me and less for you, which just happens a lot in, in business, uh, you know, it's it's there's a there's an extractionary mindset of resources. Um, and if if your value is compassion, if your value is love, if your value is courage, right, some of these values, um, then you can go all the way and, and know that anything you do in service to that value, everyone wins. And so that's the kind of brand of power I'm talking about. That's so interesting. And also just coming from the Pentagon and coming from counterterrorism, this is like a deep topic for me. And I don't know if I've ever really talked to anybody about power in, a, in the way that you are about to deliver. I think that I struggled a lot in the Pentagon with my own power and being surrounded by power, whether it was actual <laughs> weapons, you know, in my meetings. Yes. Um, I used to travel a lot and I would oversee simulated bombing exercises and all sorts of different things that I remember feeling really confused about my own power because I had taken on the role of a colonel. I had replaced a 65-year-old colonel when I got my first job at 23. And there was just a lot of confusion on my side of like, what does my power look like? How do I be powerful? And how do I be inspiring? Because A, I wanted to gain people's respect, but B, I didn't want to um, do it the wrong way, like especially with femininity. So I'm really curious what you have to say for all those yeah. ladies listening too, because especially when I have keynote speaking engagements, you know, like my, my PR and ghostwriting house, Cake Publishing, I'm always on the on the road doing some sort of speaking thing 
for it, um, just talking about branding yourself. And I always kind of feel confused before I step on stage, like how, how tight does my dress be? Like, so I'm also curious around sexual power, you know, being yeah. a woman and like what that looks like. So yeah, talk to me. Well, we're going to definitely get into that. What a fascinating background. I mean, you and this topic, I mean, I, I imagine you have a lot to say and share given the experiences and being part of the Pentagon and our government at a high level. Um, you know, they do a lot of good in the world, but, um, a lot of weird decision making yeah. comes from uh, a fear. There's an us and there's a them not 100%. realizing we're all just global citizens of planet Earth. There's one planet and we all share it. So every decision made from us and them winners and losers is ultimately self-terminating. Yeah. In other words, it leads us down a path where some people win and some people lose. And the amount of winners and the amount of losers, the disparity between that grows and grows and grows until in the very end, you have no one left. And, and so we really need to upgrade in our governments, in our corporations, in our love lives, how we relate to this idea of power. And I don't want to disempower anyone. I actually want everyone to feel more powerful. And it's also ingrained in our culture. It's like winner take, like different expressions, winner takes all. It's like, there's so much taking energy. And I think that it's also a good moment for anybody listening to ask yourself, like, are you unconsciously, I know if it's unconscious, you don't see it, but subconsciously maybe playing this out where you are looking at your negotiations or your job opportunities or your relationships. And maybe there's a part of you that wants to win or get more um, without realizing that it doesn't feel like a win-win. Um, so maybe this yeah. is an opportunity as well. But yeah, I would say there's a lot of weirdness in the Pentagon for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way well, I can put it. We could do a whole podcast just on that topic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it would just sound like me having a crying model, meltdown. Um, yeah. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Uh, so let's so let's look at these four faces. So so there are there are, there are there isn't just one is really the first point. Yeah. Right? The, the the we've 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 sort of been culturally trained for looking at just this first face of the four. Mm -hmm. And 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 that face is like I, like you said earlier there's a there's an active side of power which is very outward moving. Like energetically if you're going to draw it it was like it's moving away from you from you to out towards others, right? And then there's a receptive power, right? Where it's really moving towards you and from outside in where you're receiving. Right. And then there's a masculine kind of archetypal stereotype personality that this power tends to um, express through. And then there's a more feminine version of that. And so the active masculine is really what I call the energy of penetration. Right. It's an assertive energy and it's willing to penetrate the space with your values, with your aesthetic, with who you are, with what you believe. And, and this form of power um, means that when you see something out of alignment, you're courageous enough to change it with purpose and urgency. And it's a willingness to assert your aesthetic into the space, mm. right? So this form of power tends to be the one, the only one we think of, right? This is the qualities are strong, decisive, self-assured, candid, driven, high performing, right? Results focused, getting things done. Mm. You know, all of this should sound very familiar because you've probably uh, yeah. culturally been either rewarded for being these things or, or um, ostracized for not being enough of these things. Um, so this form of power is incredibly important. And if you've marginalized it, 
in yourself and you're more the wallflower where you don't speak up where you enter a room and no one knew you were there then i would be the first in line to encourage you to know that actually we would all be better off with your voice in the symphony we actually need your perspective for us to have a, a full complete one and how, and, how does somebody do yeah. that jennifer like I, yeah. I actually have a friend so i'm in a really empowered group of boss babe girls oh i love it yeah i mean it's like boss city you know and they so obviously there's all sorts of different power energies that i'm experiencing and i love them all so much but there's one girl in the group that i don't know her very well and it's because i don't ever i've never seen her in her active masculine like whenever we're at dinner all the girls are like we're all jab like you know talking over each other because it's so much exciting energy and I almost leave dinner every time thinking, like, I wonder who she is. I wonder what she's about. And um, she has a business that's very successful. So I'm also kind of inspired by her because I'm like, damn, how did she do it? Because I created a lot of success in my e-course company when I had my job hunting course through my active masculine to the point where I was like, oh, my God, I literally feel like I actually have a penis. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> talk about penetrating, like I was just penetrating the market, yeah. <laughs> my masculine yeah. active energy. And so I'm curious to learn, you know, how can this person speak up? Because whoever's listening, they're probably thinking, well, yeah, I am scared to do this. And I know that there's limiting beliefs and all sorts of healing that they can do. But what do you suggest is maybe a starting point? Because obviously it's a little much of a commitment to be like, all right, time to speak up if they haven't been doing it forever. Yes, yes. It's the exact question that, that, that everyone wants to know as you start to go into each one. So if this one isn't natural for you, right, if this isn't just the way that you walk through the world, and that's a lot of people actually, um, then there's a kind of a surprising access point to it. Um, well, there's two. One is really understanding what you value to begin with, right? So when you're in a space, like, what value are you actually a stand for? And sometimes you actually don't know. You're just listening. You're And, and you're having an internal dialogue that no one else is hearing. Mm-hmm. And if you were to sort of put that on loudspeaker um, and, and, and look not just at all the garbage that might be there, but really look into the values that are there. And specifically, sometimes I'll have people access it by looking what are their judgments, right? What are their complaints, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've learned to have a negative relationship to our judgments, right? To judge our judgments, and then we judge ourselves for having judgments, and everybody knows it's better not to judge people, and we aspire towards accepting others by making our judgments wrong. And and, and yes, there is a lot of truth to that. Um, And what I would say is in order to conjure a judgment, you have to be able to contrast what's occurring with your idea of what it should be instead. Right. And that means your vision for the world is much more detailed and specific than you likely imagined. And that it also means that the judgments that upset you the most are correlated with the violations of your values and Mm. your aesthetic that you care about the most. Mm. So they'll actually give you a map to what you'd like to be different in a sense of your priorities, right? So I, I, I generally will ask someone, okay, so are you having a judgment right now? They'll tell me the judgment. That's the top layer. It's mostly so, garbage. So we mostly throw it away. So let's slow it down to the woman. Yeah. Sorry, because I have so many questions yeah, and you're sure. giving so much content that's so amazing. Oh. Um, so let's say the girl at the table, you know, because I kind of look at her and, you know, she's looking around and in my head it's like, Doo! 
And I'm like, what's going on in there? You know, like, and so let's say it's the girl at the table. The first step would be to ask her, like, what, what is the judgment she's having about the situation as she's looking around or what are the thoughts she's having about everybody? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's, it's And herself. There, there, there is a, there is a way that she would like things to be different that would have her be more, uh, wanting to express herself to assert who she is and what she cares about. So and so there's likely something missing for her to want to do that. And if, if you all got to hear from her what that thing that was missing is, you'd probably all agree that everyone would be better off if there was more of that. Interesting. Okay. Maybe, maybe for her, and we're, ha we're making this up, so maybe if she listens to this, she can corroborate. She probably but will, and she'll know it's her. She'll be like, thanks, Ashley, for the freebie. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's... Um, it's, it's a value on pausing and slowing down and the energy feels chaotic and frenzied and like everyone's talking over each other and isn't that rude aren't these ladies rude they just never pause they never even listen maybe those are the like top level judgments um and if they would just slow down and would not bring so much frenetic energy it would feel so much safer so much better for everybody mm. so that would be judgment let's just say okay so that's so the first I step and then after that what what would she do with that and by the way can i ask you is there a value you are you arguing that we should step into all four of these different faces or let's absolutely is it, okay because i was going to say maybe this girl is like hey i kind of like it on the quiet side you know like it's yeah. nice and crickety over here and i'm happy then there's no no problem with that you know so i'm i'm curious well, so you're suggesting that. that's okay. a really good question so so you know there are two two uh strings of thought about growth one is to play to your strengths and the other is to develop your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'll tell you is that um, if you want transcendence, if you want to evolve, you want to grow with agility and grace, more range, right? So you want to address the places in you that are difficult for you to go if you want to make a, an evolutionary leap. If you want to get somewhere fast, you want to play your strengths. So what I would say is to anyone who finds any one of these four difficult is you're leaving half your power on the table if all you're able to do is stay quiet, but you're never able to assert who you are and what you believe into a space. You're actually cutting off some of your power. And if you're unwilling to do it, then, then, then building the muscles to be able to do it will make you a powerful leader. If you have a preference for it, that's fine. But what I want to unlock for everyone listening is infinite choice. And that in any moment with agility and grace, you can move between the four. So rather than a personality typing system telling you you're this type, I actually want you to realize that you have access to all of these. And moment by moment, the discernment to feel when is the time to listen? Mm, when is the time to speak? Yes. She may be valuing less frenetic energy and more space for each person to actually be respected and given their, their due. Wow. And if we were to feel into that, she'd have some judgments and we'd actually throw away that top layer of judgment she might have. And I'm not saying she does. She probably loves all of you. So she does. Just, but you know yeah. what? Thanks to you, Jennifer. Next time we have dinner, I already see us because all these girls love like healthy food, whereas I'm kind of like 
the mediocre eater. So we're always, I already picture it now. We're going to be at like some vegan restaurant. She's going to be quiet. I'm going to be like, listen, I just did a podcast with Jennifer Russell. And I'm curious what judgments are coming up for you right now about this table. And I'm totally going to try it on and see. She's she's conscious enough to do it. So I'm I'm going to try this out and be like, well, how can this table create more value for all of us through your judgments? You know, okay, great. So, well, so you might ask the question this way, which which is after you look at the judgment, you go, you, I ask the question, so now you've got a little bit of the judgment, and then you go, what value that's precious to you is, is being violated? Oh, beautiful. Wow. What value that's precious to you is being violated? Now we're getting into the juicy bits. That's right. Deep. Because if she says um, respect or mm. spaciousness or... Um, uh, calmness, relaxation, equanimity, balance, any of these ideas, you all kind of get to breathe and feel her say that value that's precious, that feels a little bit like it's being violated. And just her asserting that that value is the one she wants in the space. Um, and it's, these are transcendent ones, right? Like everyone would be benefited with more respect. Everyone would be benefited Beautiful. with a little spaciousness, right? Yeah. The sisterhood in me, like the sister in me, like with my friendships, if somebody said like, this is the value I feel it's violated, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like my nurturer would come out, you know, and be like, how do we create that for you? But that's the next question, right? Because respect looks different for everybody. Yes, exactly. And then it's a juicy conversation about what has you feeling respected. And she might say, well, when no one interrupts me or no one interrupts anyone. Wow, that would be a real exercise for this table of girls. Okay. okay. Think, about, think about the upgrade of, um, you know, uh, not to curb your enthusiasm or your passion, but to literally, like, give the time and space and respect that, that every statement that each person is saying is due. And what I notice when the energy in the space feels more coherent and less chaotic that the quality of the conversation starts to raise. It's not even just um, people start to slow down. It's like the quality of what people want to say in a space that feels more spacious is different. Wow, so, yes, yes. So, and... so anyway, that's a, that's a piece. Okay. So the thing is, is that with the active masculine, what we really find unsavory about judgmental people is that they're disengaged from causing it to be different. But when you combine a judgment with engagement, you get power, not complaint, right? So when you feel into what is this judgment, what's underneath the judgment, what's the value that's being violated that's precious to me, and then you're willing to actively penetrate the space with that value, bring that value to the foreground, lead with that value so that everyone is feeling that value in the space when they're around you, in their presence, you can't help but feel those values. Mm-hmm. And often people that don't have the active mastery, you have no idea who they are and what they value. And so their access point is to actually begin to learn what it is that they are judging, learn what values there are, they're feeling violated, and then to bring those values in. Wow, that's so interesting. And I feel like also asking you, 
you know, for the for the boss babes at the table who we yeah. we all built businesses in our active masculine, so we're all very familiar with this. And a lot of us got burnt out and heartbroken over, you know, pushing so hard in business that it hurt our bodies. I, I went through that and took a year off. So it's like, I'm curious, what is your prescription, for lack of a better term, yeah. you know, from Dr. Jennifer over here, um, yeah. the power doctor, you know, yeah. what is your prescription for somebody like me or all these other babes who they're sitting at the table and they've built businesses that are, you know, a lot of them have multi-million dollar companies and we're all tired, you know, not me so much anymore. I've really healed a lot of that. But what do you suggest for somebody who kind of is listening to this and they're like, damn, I'm in my active masculine, like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this, it's, it's a perfect segue because this, this whole model is sort of, sort of the answer to that question. Because what I would say to you, if you have an overdeveloped active masculine, um, you want to look at a couple things. Uh, one, you want to look at if you're expressing any of the shadow, which the shadow of this one is aggression. Yes. Right? Where, where the subtle aggressions, like interrupting someone even, right? The subtle aggressions of putting down someone else's thoughts and ideas because yours feel more important or more right. Um, uh, you want to look at those and begin to, these are the ways that we actually leak our power, right? And each of the four faces has like a dozen ways that we leak our power. And we won't have time to get into all of that, but I can just touch on a little bit of it. And, and so you want to look at that, but then you want to look at, for you, I would say, let's develop the more receptive to the receptive masculine, which I'm going to go into okay, next. Okay, so this is the and second then, one is the receptive, or you could call it the passive masculine, which yep, for me, when yep. you're dealing with active and passive, it just sounds easier to hear. So let's say passive masculine oh yeah we can say passive i just but there was someone who came to me that got very uh triggered by the word and and so i was like well the the feeling of that i'm going for is this receptivity Mm -hmm. uh and they're like oh i get it you know so if, if one um We'll call it passive, but uh, any any of you listeners that aren't liking that word, please just substitute. <laughs> yeah, great. So, and if so we offend you, you, you know, it's okay. I've got plenty. I got some trolls, Jennifer. I've made peace with them. They troll hard. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay. I gotta let this go. Or I'm gonna go nuts. So okay, passive masculine. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, we, we spend too much energy on the ones uh, bringing the negativity and not enough on the ones that are actually lifting us up. So I, just as an aside. Mm-hmm. So for you, I would say look at the, bo- the two passive ones, which is the passive feminine and the passive masculine. So let me talk about that one, and, and then I'll, I'll maybe more deeply answer your question. Okay. So, so there's a passive masculine. So what is that? And so that one I call, uh, and excuse me, I'm from California, so you'll have to excuse the California of this one, but it's called holding space. <laughs> you've and, you've obviously had like a yoga class or two to hold yes. space. Yeah. If you've ever done yoga, if you've ever been in California, if you've ever um, been in the New Age movement, you've probably heard this 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 idea of holding space. And the reason I use it, and I even use it in um, executive contexts, and it, it's really um, this strong, unassailable, untriggerable container that you create that other people get to express inside of, right? So you bring full presence, unconditional attention, and an opening for another person's expression without any agenda about what that expression should be, right? Mm -hmm. So this is holding space, right? And I call it a masculine because there's a strength to it. It's like you can put the chaotic feminine inside 
this container that is being held and and this this person is unperturbable untriggerable and listens with no need to hide it to fade it to fix it or make it any different because it if this 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 energy allows whatever is there to fully express itself oh my god jennifer you just described my ideal romantic partner i'm like oh, wow yes. i'm in love with whoever has that that's beautiful okay beautiful careful you're gonna get people on this podcast starting to write to you hey, Hey guys, you, you just send me a DM on Instagram. <laughs> so the energy of holding space, it's like that strong, safe container. The, the, you know, these qualities, th this person has empathy. This person is cooperative. They're a good listener. They're balanced. They're even-tempered. They're diplomatic. They're just, right? Everyone feels welcome. So this person's decision-making style is to really take in and weigh everyone's views, right? And they're fair, they're inclusive, they're open to input, right? So this is the, the passive or, or receptive masculine, right? And so you can see already if all you were able to do is penetrate the space and be the active masculine and penetrate and you have your agenda and you know how things are going to go and you're telling everybody how it is and what you value. And if you weren't able to step back and then create a space where other people can actually add and be their most creative and their most wise and their most expressed in your presence, you can see that after a while that leader would be harder to want to follow because you would feel like you couldn't bring any of you in it. Mm -hmm. And so you're actually, without the passive masculine, you're cutting out the incredible synergy that can happen when you allow other people to shine in your presence. And great leaders know how to unlock everyone's highest potential. And part of the ability to do that is getting out of the way, stop penetrating the space, hold space so that even the people that feel a little meek or quiet, that even they feel safe wow. to fully express their creativity. You know, um, that Jennifer, after I... I, yeah. So sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, right. You, you just you just got so many nuggets here, but um, you know, yeah. after I left the Pentagon, I ended up managing a threat, the global threat intelligence team for a Fortune 100 company, and I reported to the CSO of that company. Uh -huh. And um, I wish I could say who it was because it really paints a picture. But what I will say is that I've never been so inspired by a leader because this man, I think he was very in touch with his receptive masculine, yeah. where everybody felt safe to share ideas. He was one of the most powerful people in this. I mean, this company is probably like one of the top 20 companies in the world. And he's sitting there as the chief security officer in charge of making sure that thousands of staff traveling the world are safe. And that's part of what my team's job was. And, you know, I would, I would watch him just kind of settle as people would jockey around the room with loud, noisy ideas. And truly, he was holding this space, never making anybody wrong. Um, and, and watching him, I kind of thought to myself, like, he's the perfect leader. So I'm curious what the, the shadow is of this, because to me... I'm like, wow, I want to marry a man like that. And I'm curious, what's missing? Is it that they yes. don't take action that often? Yes, you, you, you're hitting on it. I call the, the shadow of this one when it's distorted. Uh, you know, all of these, you know, every quality, no matter how good or bad, it has, a, has a, a shadow and a light side. So this one is disengagement. So if all, if all you're doing is holding space for everyone else mm -hmm. and you never assert your ideas, you just listen, 
and hold space and listen and hold space, the what happens is you can go into collapse and withdraw and eventually disengagement. Or indecision, huh? Because I've and, seen that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you're never actually... Uh, you're you're letting everyone else determine the agenda. You're actually not adding your own values, your own stand for what you think ought to be done because you're too busy holding space for everyone else's. And so when this goes awry, just like the act of masculine, when it goes awry, it goes to aggression and hostility. This one goes to collapse and disengagement. Mm. And so you want to watch those two. Um, because there's a, a way, and this is why I don't like to type people. I like more to unlock your ability to do both. So if you're doing this at the expense of the other four or the other three, rather, then I would say it's actually time for you to actually take a stand and tell us what you believe and what you think, because we all need to hear it and we all need to know it. So this, this is, is another one. And um, but I learned very young, uh, you know, I was working for a biotech company, uh, and I, I learned this one as I was trying to figure out how to be a really good negotiator. And, um, with a fairly large company, I was, we were having to negotiate a deal and, um, my mentor at the time, the CEO of the company was saying, okay, when you get on the phone, just stop talking. Wow. Yeah. And listen. Mm-hmm. And he did it to me over and over and I couldn't help but fill the space. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't even be with the silence. And so what was happening was all of this stuff was coming out of me because I wasn't able to just stop and listen. And, uh, and, and, and when you stop and listen, you get to the guts of what the person is really thinking, what they're feeling, what their perspectives are. You cannot negotiate without understanding those things. Well, Jennifer, I wonder what belief system kept you doing that, right? Because if you can't, if you notice that you're challenged at work to do something different, in your case, it was holding the space on the phone Uh and being more of a listener. And anybody who's listening, if if your boss challenges you or you're challenging yourself to show up a little bit differently and you notice that it's feeling really, really hard for you, A, you're probably dealing with a paradigm, a way of being in the world. And B, I'm curious what thoughts kept you from being able to leave the space, Jennifer, like, you know, what belief systems you had about the space or the anxiety or judgment about what it meant if you just left it there. Um, So that's really, really fascinating and something just to offer for everybody listening. Yeah. And and I think at the time, I think it was insecurity. Yeah, I get it. It was, I better prove myself to this person. And if I'm not talking, I have no way to prove myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just airing the dirty laundry of this epidemic that is everywhere, which is our not enoughness. Right? Yeah. We all have a version of the we don't like ourselves talk in our own minds of we're not enough this or that or we're not smart enough or sexy enough or uh, we don't have a good enough career or whatever those not enough statements are. And we're um, reacting out of fear to try to counteract they call it flapping sometimes, uh, uh, having to feel your, um, that you have no value. And when there's silence in the space, there's like, if you have that belief, you feel like, oh, there can't be any value being generated. So I must not be valuable if I'm being silent, mm. forgetting that the silence, the space between the words communicates volumes. Like you can change the way an entire room feels. Yeah, it's kind of like when the birds are chirping outside. It's like beautiful noise, but I couldn't imagine if birds were chirping nonstop with no space in between the noise. 
it's like yeah. suddenly the whole world becomes loud and there's really no space to integrate any information. Uh, and I'm curious, Jennifer, with these, you know, obviously I'm drawing parallels to my love life because I just can't help my damn self most of the time. But I'm also curious, like, what about what do you have to say with active and passive masculine when it comes to like, for example, in my relationships, I've been with a superpower man where he founded one of the you know top 10 companies in the world. And, you know, but so he was in his active masculine when he created it. But then, you know, when we first started dating and I'm not seeing him anymore, but I remember him being nervous sitting at the table with me and me being like, hey, what's with the nerves and thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy like goes out in the world and he's such a boss creating, you know, billions of. Yeah, but I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's just nervous all the time. But um, what is what do you have to say about like how is it that some people can show up in one spot in their active masculine all the time, and then maybe you put a pretty girl next to him or you know a pretty hot you know guy next to the girl, and they kind of wince back and they're not in their. So what do you have to say about the flow and the shape shifting of when you show up in each one or what that means? Yeah, yeah. The, these um, you may have contexts where one one of these is more natural for you in, let's say, business, and then in your love life, it's a totally different huh. uh, natural stance that you take. And primarily, that has to do with um, your uh, level of feeling resourced in the moment. Ah. Right. The more resourced you feel, the more easy it is to be behaviorally flexible. Okay. Right. The less resource you feel, and when I say resourced, I like confident, uh, capable, right? Uh, that you know that you're clear, confident, and capable, right? And when you feel those three things, then it's easy to be assertive. It's easy to uh, uh, feel self-assured and to speak freely. Um, when any of those is at odds, you tend to degrade into the lowest common denominator, which is where you really exist uh, in this map. And where you you're you're being challenged. So the fact that in the area of love, this is not an area he's probably conquered at the same level that he's conquered business. He's won that game. He knows how to win that game. He's an expert there. But if he's still dating and and hasn't really found his soulmate yet and is is trying, uh, then this is an area that he hasn't learned to conquer. Um, so many of us haven't. And so I think that it makes a lot of sense that he would be nervous around you well I can, guys just um, think about people it's listening a now. I would be complimented like all get out and I would do everything I could I would actually use the next face I'm going to talk about which is the passive mass uh, passive feminine in order to create the comfort that he would need to call him out okay so tell me what is the passive feminine yeah we'll go to that one next and we'll end on the active um, so for for me when I describe the uh, passive feminine, this is attraction. This is seduction, right? This is like gravity pulling matter to matter. This, if, if the active masculine is this penetrative outward moving force, then the passive feminine on the opposite side is the same energy, but moving inward, drawing people towards you, right? This is love itself. Like attracts like matter attracts matter to form stars. This is an incredibly powerful force. 
right? And so the active feminine is someone who is able to rally people towards their cause, where, you know, I, I often use Helen of Troy, you know, with a wave of her hand, with a look in her eye. No, you said the passive feminine. the chips, right? You said uh, the active feminine or the passive feminine? No, the, the passive feminine. Okay, because you just said the active feminine brings people to Oh, oh that was a mistake. Okay, uh, it's, got it. The passive feminine is that force coming inward and towards you, right? And so this passive feminine, the qualities are magnetic, charismatic, inspiring, motivating, collaborative, right? They create cohesion. And, and so these people, with a wave of their hand, people just rally towards their cause. You know, I often use Martin Luther King. He, when he spoke hundreds of thousands of people would rally towards him to listen, to come and join the cause of civil rights. But he still uh, spoke, right? So isn't there like a level of active masculine to both. like standing in a cause and speaking for it? Absolutely. And he's doing both of those at, 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 a, at an incredibly nuanced and sophisticated degree. Got it. Because you can be an active masculine without the passive feminine and just penetrate the space with your ideas but you might be a maverick meaning no one's following you right You're, you might be you might be assertively speaking your mind but unless you are also able to magnetize people towards you you're going to be leading just yourself mm. so great leaders know how to draw people in know how to have you feel like you just have to join what it is that they're doing you have to and you feel inspired in their presence you feel appreciated in your presence you feel attracted to them mm. and and so this form of power is magnetism right and and it is incredibly powerful and a lot of people have marginalized this form of power or over sexualized this form of power yes yes and, and you you mentioned that are we going to talk about that topic and here's kind of where this topic comes in and because i am using the metaphor of like seducing people right seduction um but there is the shadow of this is manipulation is when you use your ability to draw people in uh and you manipulate them for your for uh for their for your betterment but their detriment uh. right now, if you are bringing them in, calling them in, drawing them towards you, inspiring them to join, and it, it enhances their uh, life purpose, and it's for the world's betterment, like I was saying earlier, no one loses, then this is far from manipulation. This is influence in its wow. pure, this is inspiration in its pure form, wow. right? So women often have this one a little more naturally, which is why I call it the feminine one versus a masculine form. This is a feminine form of power, the ability to draw people in. And it is so, so valuable. Um, you know, leaders that know how to, how to rally, this is what this power is all about. And so these people are compelling. Wow, and, that's so fascinating. And, and I know so many women in business who... You know, the person that comes to mind when I think about this is Cynthia yeah. Kersey. I don't know if you've ever seen her, but she founded the Unstoppable Foundation. And I've sat down with her many times. And there is something about her presentation the first time I saw her on stage where I knew nothing about building schools in Africa. But by the end of the presentation, I was running up front with my credit card, like ready to invest <laughs> yes. in <That's> <laughs> helping kids in Africa, which I did. Yes. And 
I, I've, I've never, ever, it was like a hypnosis, like they, right? Like it's a hypnosis. And, and she wasn't even her active masculine when she was speaking on stage. She just had a magic to her where like, yeah, it was just like an, an, a dopamine hit of inspiration. Um, and I'm also noticing just looking back on my days in the Pentagon, we would have a lot of happy hours and those were kind of like a scary breeding ground for me because like I was the only woman and the men would get kind of wasted. You know, one, one of them, God bless him, he's like, you know, drunk and he's like, let me show you my gun collection and I'm like oh my god I think I'm gonna pass on, on the gun collection <laughs> but my point being like I used to actually sit and think before I went to these like okay I need to wear a loose dress and, and my friends used to make a, a fun of my dresses they would call it sack dresses like they oh, would say oh. like any dress that looked like a, a like a professional sack like it was made of silk but it was formless and it didn't touch my body Ashley was at the Pentagon wearing pumps in a sack and I used to have so many like fitted dresses that I, and, and whenever I, you know, and I noticed that if I wore something very fitted and I, I did my hair, it was like, oh, like I feel, I don't, I don't feel as comfortable. So how do you, what does that look like to get comfortable with putting yourself together in the outside world? Cause I know there's like a internal magic that people have that isn't about how they're dressed. It's just their charisma. But I think there's something to be said about how you present yourself. So well, how, yes. how do you kind of be if you're somebody who naturally is pretty tapped into your sexual energy? You're pretty tapped in and you, you want to, I don't know, like, do you have any suggestions for somebody that's maybe a little bit intense on the receptive feminine? Yeah, it depends on if you're asking someone who is, like, overly seductive or you're asking someone who's not, who is like wearing the sack dress because I would say different things depending. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, what would you say? And I know receptive feminine, well, AKA passive feminine. So what would you have said to me wearing my sack dress? Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with that side. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe we share a little bit of the common story, uh, that, that even was part of what got me down this path to begin with, which is, um, there were parts of me growing up that marginalized my femininity. Um, and what I mean is, is that there were aspects of my femininity, my receptivity, my beauty, that, and my emotionality that felt like weaknesses. And so I sort of, like you said earlier, I sort of became more of a man um, when I entered the workforce and took it by storm and doing all sorts of incredible things. And there was not a lot of room for any of the feminine qualities uh, uh, when I was younger. And so I was subtly marginalizing like half my power, including the ability to draw people in and including the understanding that I didn't have to force or push or aggressively penetrate that the greatest power requires the lightest touch mm -hmm. right and when you realize that there is a form of power that isn't forceful at all that that with all, with just the wave of your hand thousands of people are rallied and moving that that is a sign of more power not less that the more force you have to engage in the less powerful you are. You know, government is a great example of this, right? If the more they're having to force their agendas is, is, is really indicative of the lack of power because really true power requires very little in the form of force in order to make a lot happen. Wow. So as you're in your sack dress, what I would <laughs> So bring us is, back to Ashley's weird dress, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, um, um, 
while truth is compelling, so is beauty, right? When people fall in love with a vision, they fall in love with its beauty, right? And beauty is not just a physical form, but if you are sort of an incoherent, inconsistent embodiment of a beautiful vision and you yourself aren't willing to be beautiful and feel expressed as a beautiful woman rather than marginalizing it or dumbing it down or covering it up, then there's something um, awry in the field. There's something out of alignment, right? And so your beauty is part of what draws people in. And it's not just physical. When someone's beautiful, it's really more about how beautiful they feel inside. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's a beautiful human being. It's not just about like, the dress anymore it becomes like being drawn to the beauty of the idea of the person of how they speak of the way they dress and all of that should form a picture that draws people in so beauty for its own sake is 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 like a a value that i want us to all be rallying behind because the world uh, uh, that we want to live in is a more beautiful one, wow. right? It's not so just the most efficient world, right? You know, the leaders that just point at how do we be most efficient and they forget about how to make the space really nice for everyone. And then that's when everyone burns out when you're not paying attention to everyone's state, you're only paying attention to what you can get out of them, the results then you're missing it. You actually want to create an environment that pulls out everyone's beauty, pulls out everyone's relaxation, pulls out everyone's inspiration. Well, you know, um, the head of my master's in spiritual psychology program, he, he once told me when I was building my companies and I was all stressed out and I was in a relationship at the time with a guy for five years. And I remember feeling like I wanted my relationship to just fit into my life because I was so focused on my business, which I'm, I'm a very different person now. But um, he looked at me and he said, relationships are not built on efficiency. No, no. Exactly. He, he had something there. This is exactly it. Oh, yeah. This guy was wise, wise, wise man. But yeah. Really wise because if, if that, you might get a lot out of somebody in the short term, but five years from now, are you going to be able to call on them to join the next cause that you have? And are they going to be running towards you to say yes? And most of most of what is the gating factor on whether they will or won't is lies in how inspirational you were, how charismatic you were, how good they felt in your presence. Were they attracted to what you were doing or were they repelled uh, by you? So this is incredibly important. Okay, um, so let's let's um, tell me a little bit about the active feminine for yes. everybody listening. I now love this the coup de, one. Now the coup de gras, right? The last, the last. The and, real treat. Yeah, and so let's do this. Yeah, the the active feminine, right? And so this one I sometimes will call um, intuitive and creative expression, right? And so this is, you know, the exuberant, explosive, and bright. It's the intuitive and spontaneous power and beauty of creative expression. And if this sounds a little abstract, I'm going to explain it a little bit more because the values of this type of power are freedom, self-expression, innovation, bold action, dynamism, intuition, right? Imagination, grace. So here's what I mean. When, and we'll, we'll like draw an example. If you, you're in a meeting, let's say, 
and you've got someone who's in their active masculine holding the agenda like like always there's always someone that does saying this is what we need to do and here's where we're going and here's what we need to decide what someone in the active feminine will do is say wait a minute stop we can't go any farther until you and you trust each other Mm, and and so we need to put away the agenda and feel the and so what the what the active feminine does is they feel the entire field and everyone in it the people in the room the people that are customers the people that are stakeholders all of humanity they are the systems thinkers of the world they feel the impact on every part of the system and keep all of that in mind and since that is always fluid always dynamic always changing they will throw the agenda out the wayside and actually address what's happening moment by moment in the here and now and will serve it so they are extremely innovative they're extremely creative they're able to see what other people aren't able to see they're able to predict where the trends are going because they're so in touch with the planet and and the humans on it and what's needed in the moment and if a leader isn't willing to stop their agenda and address the elephant in the room <laughs> like that people aren't trusting each other or that these two things aren't in alignment then um they're not going to get very far because even if you get people's verbal consent in the background they'll be undermining the ability of that to really be carried forward um whatever it is that they were standing for so wow. this active feminine i'm most excited about it. I mean, I want everyone to have all four and I'm a stand for giving everyone access and unlocking all the places where we leak our power and don't have all four of these. But if I if I'm going to kind of get on a soapbox for just a second, um one of the things the world needs now is the kind of leader that isn't just coming from a what's in it for me standpoint how do i make my company beat all of the competition how do i make our my country have the best uh, of everything while other countries have less but it's how do i look at all of uh this planet how do i look at all of this industry how do i look at all of this nation and act in the best interest of everyone and everything because i feel it i know it in my bones mm. and so this active feminine is an incredibly healing energy and a form of leadership that i often am, am helping people to develop more of wow that's so incredible i'm speaking at a conference that's all about this um in the next couple Go. of weeks and a lot of political leaders are coming in so i know that this dialogue is happening now um so i mean i know that this can be challenging because it involves like speaking up in some way or asking for something that has an emotionality to it you know like yeah. saying you know i'm not going we shouldn't continue until these two people trust each other was your example yes how i know that, that could be scary you know so there's a lot of receptive feminine out there a lot of ladies you know or men who know how to kind of lure people in through their good vibes but yeah. how do you suggest being taking it into that level where you overcome uh you know whatever power you stand in most of the time and you step into a place where you're actually adding that sort of value and magic to mm -hmm. your businesses, conversations, companies, leadership, whatever have you. Mhm mm mhm. Mm well, it starts with even knowing that power is multidimensional to begin with, right? It's not just this one base. And and once you know that 
there are different ways of being moment to moment that might be the appropriate way of being in order to lead, serve, and inspire almost anyone. Then you can open up the territory and, and just look and, and, and look at a situation and say, okay, what's most needed right now? In a way, the active feminine unlocks your ability to know when to do with the other three. Right, because the active feminine will feel the field and go, wow, like no one's leading the ship. I need to assert a value and, and an agenda. Or they'll go, wow, everyone's talking over each other. Let's actually listen more. Or they'll know that, oh, right now there are things that are under the surface that no one is surfacing. And they'll be the creative and intuitive and bring those to the fore. Or they'll help draw people in and attract people towards the cause. So part of knowing what to do is developing that ability to know that it's multidimensional and to look at how you can develop with agility and grace and ability to go between all four of these so that you are capable as a leader of not only having a quarter of your power on the table with wherever you tend to live, but where you can now develop all four. Mm. So uh, when I'm helping people, I usually try to uh, look at where they live. So as you're listening to this, I hope you all like drew those four in a square and figured out where you live and where is your natural and look at where is the least natural, most confusing, most scary. And maybe you make a commitment to try to learn from the people that you see in your world that are embodying that. Try to begin to develop that side. And that's the work I do. I mean, I help people do that. Um, and it usually involves looking at all the places you're leaking your power and to reclaim those pieces. Mm, a little power leak. Nothing like a little power leak happening. I'm sure plenty of those are going on in the corporate world today. Yes. Um, this is yeah. so, what a scintillating and fascinating, interesting conversation. I am so curious, where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about this uh, or about your work? Yeah, yeah, a couple different places, but, you know, primarily I've got a, a, a website, jennifersrussell.com. I even have a power profile, um, if, if they want it, where you can actually answer some questions. You get a, like a 20, 30 page report where I go deeply into each of them and how to develop some of them. And you get a, a kind of a map of the terrain of your power and where you're showing it and where you're less developed. Um, wow. and I'm happy to, uh, have them just have access to that. It's totally Totally free. You don't need to do anything else. You can just listen to this interview and enjoy that profile. And that's jenniferSRussell.com forward slash power profile. And uh, you can also find me on evolvinglove.us where I do more of my love work. So either of those places, reach out anytime. I'd love to be in the conversations, especially with the men and women in the world that are wanting to to really influence and catalyze change. Um, those are my, the people I love love speaking with and supporting. Wow. So, Thank yeah, I'd be you happy so, to do so that. much. I so appreciate you being on here. Thank you again, Jennifer. Oh, it was so fun. What a pleasure. What a juicy conversation with you, Ashley. Hey, hey, it's Ashley Stahl. Just checking in with you, wanting to talk about forgiveness. It is such an important topic because the worst type of forgiveness to overlook is the kind you do to yourself. It is so important that you're forgiving yourself and creating that connection to yourself because the more disconnected you are from yourself, the less possible it is for you to connect with just about anything. So how do you forgive yourself? How do you do work on yourself 
so that you're not projecting your own pain onto other people. The first step is whenever your peace is disturbed, you know that it is an opportunity for you to forgive yourself. So start to pay attention to your body because your body's going to let you know when you're, you've lost some level of peace. So feel your body. And when your peace feels like it's off kilter or you feel like you're just not in an ideal state, check in with your thoughts. Like, what are you thinking? Uh, so this reminds me a lot about my friend who called me the other day with her ex-boyfriend who wanted to call and talk to her or meet up with her. And she was feeling a lot of stress about the meeting, feeling like, is he going to confront me about this or about that? And is this going to be a bad conversation? And uh, she had some things that he kind of knew about that she hadn't fully talked to him about. And I was telling her the first thing, the first order of business that you always need to do when your peace is disturbed or when you're having a conversation with someone, anything is you owe it to yourself to forgive yourself. Uh, you cannot have a conversation that hurts you with somebody when you own something. Well, I mean, it can hurt you. It can be painful. But nobody can make you wrong for something that you take ownership over. And that's why the first step is once you forgive yourself, once you make peace with yourself uh, and you own something, people can't be upset with you about it. You're owning it. So... The first line of business is whenever you feel your peace disturbed, get quiet, tap into your awareness, and start to pay attention to what aspects of you are present. Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it judgment? Is it frustration? Is it rage? Like whatever you feel is really taking you over. And then my recommendation would be to write from that part of you, like give that part of you a voice. So if rage is present, write from the rage. If happiness is present, write from the happiness. Usually your peace isn't disturbed when you're hit by a drain of happiness. But hey, if that's you, that's amazing. Um, write from that part of you and start to write all the judgments that you have on that part of you has on you. Maybe, you know, you have a rage come over you and it thinks that you're um, you don't deserve something or that you didn't do something right. Whatever that rage has to say or whatever that sadness has to say or heartbreak, whatever you're going through. Uh, write from it, give it a voice and just start writing all the judgments it has on you, all the judgments it has on other people, uh, or if there's a person in the situation and all the judgments it has about the world because you're going through that. That's a really juicy one because usually those are your beliefs. And once you take a look at all of these things, forgive yourself. Remember that you are human. Remember your humanity. Uh, and after you forgive yourself, own where you could have done better. Give yourself the space to self-evaluate um, and really take a look. You know, do you really think all of these are 100% true, all the things that this part of you is saying? So let's say your anger tells you that you don't deserve something and other people don't deserve something from you and everybody's wrong or whatever it's saying. Um, forgive yourself for that. And from there, really, really move into a place of self-acceptance. And the way to do that is to question the beliefs. And one way I'll do it is if the anger says you don't deserve something, I'll find evidence that is of the opposite. So maybe the evidence will say, but I do deserve that because I did this or because I did that or because I'm, I am this. Of course I deserve that. So I look for evidence to counter my beliefs and be able to forgive myself. So I know this is really complicated, but whenever your peace is disturbed, all you need to do is remember, figure out what aspect of you is present. Get silent. Start writing from that part of you. Give it a voice. Look at the judgments it has on you, the world, the other person, whatever have you. Question those judgments. Really question those. 
find evidence that supports the opposite of the ones that are extra painful and realize that all of these things are made up. These are all stories you're telling yourself, whether it's fear-based stories to keep you from getting hurt, keep you from getting vulnerable, to keep you from being the light that you are, whatever it is, forgive yourself first and take full ownership. And if you made a quote unquote mistake in your life, own it. Tell yourself you should have done you you did the best you were you could have done at that time. You're going to do better next time and take ownership of it, saying I'm not proud of it. If somebody confronts you, I'm not proud of that. That's something that I was doing the best I could at the time, but it's not something I would do again. Uh whatever it is, it's all about ownership. It's all about release. And it's all about first forgiving you. Don't go into conversations with people and, that want you to for, you know, offer some sort of forgiveness until you have forgiven yourself. All right. Sending you a lot of love. I know this was kind of nebulous and complicated, but not really uh, excited to hear how this goes. Tweet at me, Instagram me at Ashley Stahl at U-Turn podcast, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast. Uh, Really excited to hear how this resonates for you. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.